0: So we just began, a couple of weeks ago, a new series called Unwrap Your Spiritual Gifts. And part of the reason why we're talking about this is that uh, a part of our vision statement says that we want to be a Christ-centered, faith-filled community, and part of being a part of that community is that we want to be equipped to serve according to the spiritual uh, gifts, gifts of the Spirit. And so that's that's why we're teaching on this. This is why we're putting some emphasis into this in this next year, is because we want to make sure that we are moving towards our vision. Because we want all of you to understand and know your gifting, so you can serve, so that you can uh, do life according to your spiritual gifts. So, what are spiritual gifts? Well. We started landing on Dr. Robert Clinton's definition of spiritual gift. He says, a spiritual gift is a God-given unique capacity which is given to each believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry, either in a situation or to be repeated again and again. I love this definition for a couple of reasons, and I kind of Hit it a little broad, more broadly two weeks ago, but I, I I love it because the purpose here is to release a Holy Spirit powered, empowered ministry. That's that's the whole deal. These gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts are from the Holy Spirit. They empower us to do ministry, and so that's that's why we want to talk about it. Um, Also, I love the fact that he both hits in a situation or to be repeated again and again, because spiritual gifts happen both ways. Sometimes you are given a gift for a certain situation in a certain time, and you're, you're empowered to do ministry in that situation. And then that gift may not be a part of your gift mix at any other time or for a certain amount of time. The other piece of this is that repeated again, and again. Some of you, that's your gifting, and just over and over and over and over, the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. We've we've talked for a, a number of years and months that um, we want to be followers of Jesus, and as a follower of Jesus, we want to be with Jesus, which really involves the spiritual practices. We want to be like Jesus, and being like Jesus, when you're like Jesus, your life models the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It means you see more of love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, and uh, we want to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Well, that he, he modeled using the spiritual gifts, but he made disciples, and he healed the sick, and he cast out demons. Then he told us to go and make disciples and go and heal the sick and cast out demons. So that's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus also reconciled us to God. We, our relationship with God was severed. And when Jesus died on the cross, rose again and ascended to heaven. He, he, he bridged that gap between us and God. He reconciled that relationship. Well, he's told us through what we read by Paul that we are to be ministers of reconciliation. So what, what Jesus did, reconcile us to God, we're supposed to be ministers of that, meaning we are supposed to take people, bring them to Jesus, introduce them to Jesus so that Jesus can reconcile them to God also. Jesus also, when he left, um, through the Father, he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and comforts us. The Holy Spirit marks us as followers of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work that God has called us to do. Um, And so it's important for us to understand that we, we can't do the ministry that God has called us to do without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus also gave us each other. We're part of the body. We're this, this church. We are together, and we're supposed to do all this stuff together. I mean, the, the farther along in ministry I have gotten, the more I've realized that really this command to go and make disciples is less about an individual command for you and more about a command for us. Especially if you look at the gifts of the Spirit. We, 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 the body, are supposed to make disciples, and so it's important for us to be together. Today we're going to look at some words of Paul, uh, Romans 12, which is one of the places where um, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. And so I'm going to start reading Romans 12, start with verse 3. Paul says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, remember this phrase. I'm going to address this a little bit later, this accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not All have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is this is important for us to remember. We belong to each other. Paul, I belong to you, whether you want it or not. Okay, just just so you know, you're stuck with me, (laughs) and I'm stuck with him too. But that's a whole other thing. We have different gifts. Here here it is again, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So this according to the grace or charis or gift given to each of us, um, this according to is a picture of down from. So when, when Paul says we have different gifts according to the grace, it's like uh, according, coming down from God the Father. The, these gifts through the Holy Spirit, they're, they're coming from here and coming down. There's nothing we can do to get them. They're, they're a gift from God. Interesting thing. It's, it's the same English word that we see in the second half of this verse. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, but it's a different Greek word in that in accordance with your faith it's actually a mathematical term that talks about ratio or proportion. so use your gift if if prophesying is your gift, then use that in proportion to or in ratio to your faith and we'll we'll Dive into that a little bit more in just a couple of minutes. Because then Paul goes on if it's serving, then serve. Again, in accordance with your faith, in proportion to, in ratio to your faith. Teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All the other gifts mentioned here are, they're they're all in accordance to, in proportion to, in ratio to your faith. So today, what we're going to talk about is that spiritual gifts is really about an adventure. And that's something I want us to grab onto. Um, I, I shared this. Uh, this last week, with all of our rooted groups that were going started going I, I said, "Step into this rooted thing and picture yourself going on an adventure now there 's some key things about an adventure when you go on an adventure you 're going to leave your the comfort and security of your home you're you 're going to leave that which is appear secure and safe. And you're going to step out into something that may be unsure. Maybe you, you don't know what, what is after that first or second step. But, but it's an adventure. So same thing for all of us as we talk about spiritual gifts. Let's go on an adventure together. Can we? Can we do this together? I mean, we're in the body Let's, let's go on an adventure together. Let's take a risk. In fact, when John Wimber talks about faith, he says this, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You see, faith isn't something that we muster up. So when Paul says, in accordance to your faith, that doesn't mean, okay, I've got to muster up the faith so that my faith is really huge so that that my gift will be really huge. No, it's not about mustering up faith. It's a lot simpler than that. It's about recognizing where you are today regarding faith and regarding spiritual gifts and then saying, I'm going to step out. I'm going to take one step of risk today. I'm just going to move forward. I was telling the worship team Today, that like Eric, he has musical gift, gift of worship, he, he gift of being in the presence of the Lord. What Eric does up here, I mean, he just he just does it. He just worships. It doesn't seem like a risk for him, because he's been doing it for years and years and years. But there was a moment when Eric had to take his musical gift and take that risk and say, you know what, I'm going to lead worship, or I'm going to be a part of the worship team. There was a step. It, and, and now it doesn't seem it, to us who aren't Eric, it seems like a huge risk, but not to Eric. He just, in a portion to his faith. His faith is huge today when it comes to leading worship. And all of us have experiences with that kind of stuff. So faith is moving. It's taking a risk. It's not worrying about trying to be like somebody else. I'm not trying to be like the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. I'm just supposed to be me and step out in faith. Where does this faith come from? Well, the writer to Hebrews tells us, that in verse, or chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked faith before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. Our faith originates with Jesus. Again, back to what I said at the beginning of the service. The reason why I want to be with Jesus and be like Jesus it's so I can do what Jesus does and part of that is recognizing oh, my faith comes from Jesus it's perfected by Jesus so maybe just maybe I need to hang out with Jesus. Maybe rather than trying to muster up this faith, I just go hang out with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Get to know the way He's gifted me. And then when the risk comes, when the challenge comes, I just step out. I just do it. Not because I have this great faith, but because of my faith in Jesus. In the midst of chapter 11 of Hebrews which we call the Hall of Faith because the author lists all of these people of great faith, there's this little sentence right there in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So, without faith, I can't please God. It's impossible possible. I need to put my faith in Jesus, take risk in His name, and pursue Him, the author and perfecter of my faith. Well, how, one of the ways that Jesus perfects our faith, we find in James chapter 1, which says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. who Oops, I didn't put James 1 in there. I jumped ahead. Anyway, so James 1, it says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider pure joy (laughs) when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith... Produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You see, growth happens with resistance. Our faith grows when we persevere. When it seems like the world around us or my own personal life is falling apart, if I say, I'm still seeking Jesus... Even in the midst of the hard stuff, I'm still pursuing Jesus, my faith will increase. So God has given me this gift, and I'm going to try this gift. And even if the gift doesn't, you know, play out like I thought it would play out. Okay, so like for me, God has given me the gift of teaching. But I I remember like it was just yesterday where I was preaching for a friend at a church. It's actually Mark Gomes's church. This was quite a few years ago. And Terry brought video camera along to record it because I, I wanted to have it on record so if when I was going to search for a pastoral job, you know, I'd have something on record. Preached the service. We were walking out the door, and I said to Terry, yeah, we probably shouldn't keep this recording, should we? And she said, no. (laughs) It was bad. (laughs) It was a bad day. But did I stop? No. Because I knew that God had, he's gifted me as an exhorter, a a teacher. I'm not going to be perfect, but my faith increased because I realized I was trying to impress the camera. We don't need to go any farther with that. There's another verse in Hebrews 11 that talks about this persevering or that our faith in Jesus comes not just when things go the way we think they should. Right in in the middle of Leviticus it talks about all these different people who had amazing faith and saw God work. Verse 35... It says, there were others. And then the author says, there were others that were tortured, faced jeers and flogging, were in chains in prison, were put to death, were sawed in two, were destitute, were persecuted those people were all commended for their faith. The world says they failed. But not God. Why? Because they took a risk. They went on an adventure and they said, I'm pursuing Jesus and I'm going to serve no matter what it takes even if it means risking my life. And the author of Hebrews says this, the world was not worth any of them. All our brothers and sisters around the world that are being martyred today, this world is not worth any of them. So taking a risk, going on an adventure for Jesus doesn't guarantee you Anything that you think you may want when I talk about wealth, health, security, nothing going wrong, that's not the guarantee. The guarantee is that when you pursue Jesus with all your heart, when you risk, when you step into life with him, it means... Your faith is going to increase, you're going to bring glory and honor to God, and someday he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus tells a parable similar to this, and Chris referenced this at the end of his message last week. It's found in Matthew 25, and Jesus is talking about what is going to happen in the end, and he says in, again, it will be like a man going on a journey and who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Notice a word that we've heard before, according to his ability. Pay attention to that. Um, some translations instead of bags of gold uses the word talents a, a talent in the greek is, one talent is the same as 20 years of income average income so that's that's one talent so the person getting five talents that's that's equivalent to a hundred years of income okay that that's a lot Um, what we need to notice in this according to is that the number of bags given was according to that person's ability. So the person who had five bags of gold, it was because they had the ability to handle that. The person who had two bags of gold, it was because that was their ability. The person who one, it was because of their ability. The, the owner... Knew that, and so gave according to that person's ability. It goes on. Then, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag, um, yeah, so the one who had w- one bag uh, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's. Money. Three different people, three amounts of gold, two responses. Two, they invested or they put that money to work, that talent to work. One, dug a hole, put it in the ground. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. See that? He was given five because he's handled it. He handled it. And the master now said, okay, you're going to handle way more. Because you've been faithful. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you enthroned me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in the master's happiness. The master's happiness, okay, his servants are using what he's given them, and multiplying that. And here, two bags of gold, not as much as five, but the two he took and he put it to work, came back with two more. The master said, yes, I put you in charge of just a few things. Now, here's many things for you to be in charge of. The man who received one bag of gold came master, he said. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Why did he put his one bag of gold in the ground? Fear. And who has given us fear? Not God. I'll let you do the figuring out of where that fear comes from. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. In other words, you should have done at least the bare minimum with what I gave you. You should have at least served once a month in the church. That's just me saying that. It's not here in the text. I'm just trying to... You should have at least used that gift I gave you once a year for for God's glory. At least. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. That's not fair. Seriously. Seriously. First of all, you gave him five bags. Sure, he returned the five bags and got, with five bags more, sure, but he already has. Why are you giving him more? Well, we know the answer because he's already said it. Because that servant was faithful, used the talents he was given, multiplied it. The master knows that when that one bag is given, it will be multiplied once again. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what are you going to do with the gift that God has given you? Some of you in this room are already multiplying. You've been multiplying that gift for years. Well done. Well done. Some of us may need a kick in the pants. In a loving way. Because some of us are, have been fed a lie that either I don't have a gift, God would never want to use me, He would never give me a gift, I'm too bad, I, I only have one bag of talent. The truth is, you are gifted. And, and yes according to people's abilities or according to a person's faith, God does give some more than he gives others. But that's not what we should be thinking about and arguing about. We should be thinking about what has God given me and how do I use that for his glory and his honor? What what is the step of of faith the risk that that I'm willing to take today what is God asking me to do that I'm willing to say yes to today because trust me God does give to those who multiply what he's already given them So I wanted you to know this as we dive into spiritual gifts. And the reason why I wanted you to know this is because I want you to understand that each one of you has a gift, and it it is important that wherever we are on the journey, the most important thing that we need to learn in this series is, am I willing to step out and use the gift that God is giving me for His glory? Or... Am I going to be afraid and just dig a hole and put it away? I should not look at anybody else with envy. Oh, I wish I was as gifted as them. No, 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 no. You are already gifted, you have what you have in accordance with your faith. Take a step of faith. Trust God with the gift He has given you. Take a risk. And I can promise you, because of what God's Word says, that you will be given more as you step out in faith with what you have given now. Um, I, I feel like we just need to take some time and maybe if I could get Eric and the team. We're going we're gonna to move into communion here in just a minute. So if Eric and the team come up. Um, I, before we take communion, I, I just want... Uh, hmm. I feel like there's some people in this room who don't feel like they are good enough to have a gift. Or or something has been holding you back from stepping out in faith, taking a risk, that there is some fear in you. I'd ask you to just close your eyes a moment. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to each person in this room right now. Show them any place in their life where they may have fear. That when it comes to the gifts, your gifts, from your spirit, that they have fear. I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud to renounce the spirit of fear. And I'm just going to ask that everybody repeat that prayer with me. Even whether you sense a, a spirit of fear in you or not, I'm just going to ask you to repeat it with me so that we're all doing it together. Because we are the body of Christ and when one part of our body is hurting, we are all hurting. <laughs> and if fear has gripped you, it's gripping me. Just as if you are walking in faith, I need to be around you because your faith is going to challenge and encourage me. So hmm. repeat after me. Father God, I come to you today, recognizing that fear does not come from you. Today, I renounce the spirit of fear in my life, and I choose to put my faith in you. Because you are the author and perfecter of my faith. And today I commit to go on an adventure with you to take a risk to unwrap the gift you have given me and use it for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you need to understand something that um, the the evil one's going to come at you and tell you, ah, that was just a bunch of uh, whatever. But you have confessed. You have renounced. And you have confessed Christ. You have confessed faith in Him. You have renounced fear. So now... You're, the risk you take today is I'm going to step out today in faith in Jesus. Fear no longer has a hold on me. Amen? Amen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: at the, the same time that, you, that God was just kind of like stirring in you... Um, God deals with me in pictures. That's just, I'm a super visual person and God just deals with me in pictures. And I I pictured um, a person inside a room that was dark. While, while they were sleeping, a false wall was built up and caused things to be dark and couldn't see the light of day. And we know when we're in darkness for a long time, it just gets our... our our power to do anything just goes away. But when we're you're talking about those different things, it just was like the reality that that was a false wall and could be just crashed open with not much effort, with a prayer like that, just crashed open. And all of a sudden, the sunlight pours in and the ability to walk out into what God has for that person. And I just felt like as Brad was talking, there was a stirring going on probably in each one of us, Mm. but whatever the stirring is, pay attention to it because God's got big things.
0: Amen. Amen.